Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Father, we love you. Lord, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God, we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you glory. You are worthy of all our worship. Lord, open our hearts to hear, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. Father, I thank you that you stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I have had um, some wonderful opportunities over the years to hear amazing testimonies, but I always get encouraged every time I hear about the miracle working power of God. We encourage people to go back to their doctors, get their doctor's reports, and, and give God glory for the good things that he does. But not, I don't always hear the results because often people come and then they, they live somewhere else, they go away. But I got to hear another testimony this weekend which really encouraged me. A, a couple that I, was, I met this weekend at a conference I was speaking at of Kingdom Entrepreneurs uh, came up to me in the break and they said, we've got a testimony for you. And they began to share that three years ago, they'd come to Glory City Church and there was a word of knowledge about blood conditions. And so uh, this man came forward for prayer. He had, um, for many years, had been uh, struggling with HIV. I was HIV positive, was on all sorts of serious medications that had really difficult side effects. Many times he'd tried to go off the, the, the medications because of the side effects, but as a result, every time he'd go off the medication, he'd be hospitalized. He'd received prayer many times and hadn't been healed, but he responded that night to the word of knowledge about blood conditions believing, hoping that maybe something would happen. Well, as he received prayer, he said he felt like a warmth, a heat go through his body. Soon after he went back to the doctor, they did some tests and they discovered that he's completely free from HIV. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That was three years ago. He's been completely free ever since. And you know, we hear these stories, HIV healed, hepatitis healed, diabetes healed, cancer healed, lymphoma healed. And all of it points back to the goodness of our wonderful Father. He is a good, good Father. He's kinder than we ever, ever have understood. You know, His kindness is extraordinary. It's not conditional. He's not kind because of what we do. He's not kind because of how we've behaved. He's just kind because that's who he is. The Bible says that love is patient. Love is kind. And God is love. He is the definition of kindness. He's the definition of patience. He's so much kinder, so much more merciful than we ever feel like we deserve. Praise the Lord that even if our hearts condemn us, he's greater than our hearts. He's the father that was described in the story of the prodigal son, who seeing his son come home, didn't first 
you know, lecture him about all the things he shouldn't have done, just opened his arms, welcomed him, gave him authority, though he hadn't earned it or deserved it. In fact, the opposite. God's ways are higher than our ways. He's a good, good father, and it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I want to share with you today a little bit of what the Lord's been sharing with me in my time alone with the Lord. You know, I, from when I've been a teenager, I have had as my core main message intimacy with God because I've discovered that it's in knowing God that we get everything else that when we know him, we have everything. The Bible says, seek and you will find. The Bible tells us that when we, when we seek him with all our hearts, if we, if we put first knowing him, then all these things are added to us. And it's our great delight, hallelujah, to know him personally and intimately. I remember uh, when I was just 12 years old on a youth camp trying to connect with this God that I, I believed in but just didn't know. And I got real in worship one day and I just said, Lord, I can't see you and I don't know you and it's very hard to worship someone I can't see and don't know. Help! And I, right there in the middle of worship, he did help. I just, I can't explain it except to say the eyes of my understanding were enlightened. I was blind, I could see. There you are. Ah, there you are, you. And I've never been the same since. And I'm so grateful. I know that the Lord wants for everybody to have a personal experience with the truth of who He is. And He is a, He's such a good Father. He's such a kind Father. He is the one who walks and talks with us. In Genesis chapter five, we read about Enoch. And it says here that Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. Now he was, I think, 65 years old and he had Methuselah and then he lived another 300 years. He was uh, one of the younger ones in his family line. And then it tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 5 that by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I read that this morning, that his testimony was that he pleased God. You know, his testimony wasn't that he did all of these great feats or that he did all these amazing miracles or he won all these amazing battles. His testimony was he pleased God. And what does Scripture tell us about his life? Simply that he walked habitually with God. You know, people, people say it, I've heard it said that you know, he, he was walking with God and then one day God just decided to say, uh, we're closer to my house than your house, why don't you come with me? Because that's what the Bible tells us is that he was walking with the Lord and then he was not. He didn't die, he was just taken. 
But what strikes me most about this magnificent message is that the Father is looking not for those that please him through their great exploits, though those that know their God will do great exploits. The Father's not looking for people who please him through the great victories that they win, but he is looking for those that would habitually walk with him. You know, the heart of the Father is that we would, we would know him. It was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. What was the joy? The joy was about reconciliation of God and man, that we would have the opportunity to not be at a distance, but to be able to walk and talk with him. God created man and woman in his image. He created them and what did he create them to do? What was his great plan for them in the garden? In the garden, he wanted them to subdue and he wanted them to rule, but his great pleasure was that in the cool of the evening, they would walk together. God's heart hasn't changed. And, and sin separates us from God. So Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that we could become his righteousness and have nothing separating us or keeping us from being able to have face-to-face -face fellowship with God. It's such a glorious invitation, but it's an invitation waiting for your response. You know, it's, it's easy to, as believers, to seek the Lord when things are going, diff in, going hard. When you're having a difficult time, I mean, many of the Psalms, if you look at them, they've been written in times of deep distress and great grief. And, and that's I, my own personal testimony. I have found him in the tough, dry, difficult places where he, as a, the scripture says in um, the Passion Translation, Psalm 38, he knows my deepest longings and my greatest desires. My tears are liquid words and he can read them all. He, he, literally, I felt it as I've walked around the garden talking to him and letting the tears flow. I felt him interpreting my tears and speaking words of comfort, hearing my voice and then speaking exactly the right words at the right time. He knows everything and he knows better how to comfort me than anything or anyone else. Hallelujah. In those times of difficulty, I found him, my beloved. Look who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on the arm of her beloved. I found him in the wilderness times. And there are times of, of such sweet, intimate fellowship that nobody can take it from me. Hallelujah. I found him. I found him as the one who meets my need. I found him as the one who understands me, who loves me, accepts me. The one who is there for me. Hallelujah. And these times, they are, they're meant to be treasured. They are magnificent. 
But there's other times too that as we walk through different seasons of life, there's times where things perhaps aren't in crisis, perhaps things aren't going terribly, but you've still got those deep longings and desires to see things happen. You're believing for a breakthrough. You're believing for your destiny, for the things that have been promised. You're contending for these things. And and it's easy to seek God during those times too. Because it's like, come on, God. Lord, you said, you promised. And and you're fighting with with the, the promise is waging war with the prophetic words spoken over you. And that's a beautiful time too, as you're talking to the Lord, believing that he who has promised is faithful, as you're waging war with the word of God, and as you're talking with him, believing for things to come to pass. That's a beautiful time too, a beautiful season. But you know, there's a beauty about a mature love that comes when you neither in a time of crisis or in a time of really needing supernatural doors opening, but when you actually wanna walk with him because you're in love. Because you are the one that satisfies my soul, hallelujah. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to encourage people today. Whatever season, whatever moment you are in, He is your ever-present help in time of need. And my time of need is all the time. Hallelujah. Sometimes my need is great and deep and it's a crisis. Sometimes my need is great and deep because I need him to do something. And sometimes my need is deep and great because I long for his fellowship. I just, I just long for his voice, hallelujah. It's not that I'm ever separated from him. Sometimes I, I remember writing her Facebook post once years ago. Oh, Lord, I'm, I want more of you. And someone wrote back, you don't need more, sister. You've got everything. And I'm like, yes, I do know that. It's not the heart of what I was trying to express. What I was saying, like, my heart of longing for him isn't because I feel distant or separated. But I found that when you taste and see that he is good, you don't get satisfied to the point of not needing anymore. You get so super saturated that you're spoiled for anything else and you become addicted to his face. It's a holy obsession, hallelujah. And the more you have, the more you want. But you know, in a season of divine favor, in a season where God is, and I I am in the best season of my life right now. I am walking in things that God promised and prophesied 15, 20 years ago. I am walking, walking in the dreams now. And I'm so grateful to God. But in, the time, in, in those times, it's so important that we remember that this is the time, this is what I need above everything else. And the reality comes as you, as you look to him, you realize there is still always this deep, deep need that's neither unhealthy or it, it's just 
is what we've been created for. That is a love relationship and a genuine fellowship that misses him if we don't talk regularly. Hallelujah. But the funny thing is, if you go a few days or a while without having a meaningful conversation, the hunger actually doesn't increase, it starts to wane because we forget the beauty and the joy and the strength that comes from fellowship with him. The Bible tells us that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is the heart of the God is that as we wait on him, we would be invigorated in every way, emotionally, physically, spiritually. But when we stop taking time with the Lord, not only do we get weaker spiritually, but our emotions, our heart desire starts to get weaker. And instead of running more after him and getting more thirsty, we actually start to go into a hibernation. God wants to wake his church up out of hibernation. There is a Holy Ghost awakening where he is awakening the hearts of his children. He's not coming to slap you up the side of the head and say, you lazy people, why aren't you seeking my face? He's coming with his kindness and his love and his favor and his relentless voice that is consistently kind. He's coming and he doesn't stop. The Bible says all of creation is displaying his glory. When I see, I, I see the shape of trees, I was walking with Tom today, and I was looking, look at the shape of that poinciana tree and the shape of that fig tree. It's like, oh, they're so magnificently created. They are all things pointing us to remember this creator who made them for us. He did it for your pleasure. He did it because he is good. He's trying to get your attention, not because he's looking for you to go through some religious exercise to please him, but he knows that his deepest pleasure is satisfied when you are walking and talking with him. When we read that Enoch pleased God, by walking habitually with him. It's not God was pleased because Enoch did what he should. It's a deep heart joy and pleasure flowing out of the heart of God, not at his actions, but at his fellowship. You you and I have the capacity to bless God. That's astonishing to me. God, who needs nothing, we have the capacity to bless him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What? Bless the Lord? How could we bless God? This is how we could bless God. By looking at his face and saying, I love you. You know, when my kids just want to be with me, when they want to talk to me, when they want to give me a hug and tell me that they love me, my heart just bursts with delight, with joy. The Bible uh, tells us that 
The heart of God is that we would know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But every time we come to him, he's so happy to see us. I was doing a little bit of research on this and apparently science tells us that if um, when you greet somebody, that it takes 40 milliseconds for them to recognize whether you are truly happy to see them or not. And if you are truly happy to see them, in their brain, all this dopamine gets released, all these happy feelings get released. And, and it's, a, it's a glorious thing that happens. There's a genuine <gasps> delight, a chemical response in your brain that brings joy and delight. The same thing happens when we come before him. He says he makes his face shine on us. And the moment we approach him in faith, believing that to be true, we look and we see and we recognize that he's not looking at us and tolerating us. He's looking at us with eyes that are so overwhelmingly in love with us that we need supernatural strength to be able to handle the, the extent of this incredible, weighty, glorious, ridiculously glorious love. Love that's unfair by human standards. Love that doesn't make natural sense. It requires supernatural help. Ephesians 3 tells us we need supernatural help to be able to comprehend this love that passes the ability of humans to comprehend. When you come and you go, I'm worshiping you, God. He's there looking at you saying, open up your heart in faith because I want to give you a glimpse of my love for you. I want you to see my face shining on you because I know when you see me, you are going to be filled with absolute joy. If you can get happy scientifically from our greeting on someone's face, how much more will you respond physically, emotionally, and spiritually when you realize in faith, the face of the Father looking at you is so intensely in love with you and happy to see you. Faith pleases God. The sort of faith that pleases God, as it's talking about in Hebrews 11, is directly tied to Enoch walking with God. God is looking for us to have faith in the fact that we have been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ to walk in fellowship with a God that doesn't just tolerate us, but is genuinely blessed, delighted, and filled with joy over our every conversation with him. This father who gets more joy over your acknowledging him, looking at him than any parent has ever got joy from a child. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If your child genuinely responds to you in love, it's just like the best egg in the world. Yes, parents, yes exceedingly abundantly above is how God feels. 
And you don't have to do anything extraordinary. It doesn't have to be the most outrageous gift. It doesn't have to be the most outrageous feat. It just has to be faith that believes when you look at him, he's happy to see you. Faith that pleases God, you want to walk in that level of faith? Then believe that he enjoys your company. The ultimate feat of faith that will be written about in history in heaven is that you believed that God enjoyed you. God's looking for us to have faith in his character, in the truth of who he is. Religion has often tried to teach us the exact opposite, that he's angry, that he's annoyed, that he's frustrated, that he's a little bit distant, that he's watching, that maybe you're on probation for a while because the last thing you did was really serious. When in fact, he gives us authority that is just completely undeserved way before we think we've earned it in any way or respect. When you look at the story of the prodigal son, it's so confusing. Here comes this boy that has just, like yesterday, been in a pig pen because he's spent all of his money on prostitutes, gambling and drinking. Coming home, not because he's got a deeply repentant heart, but because he's run out of money. <laughs> Believing simply that his father is a good man. And as he comes, the father doesn't look out the window and think, is he really genuinely sorry? All he sees is this little bit of faith that believes in his character and nature, and that's it. That's enough. Ah, my son, come here, I love you, before he's even had a chance to repent. Faith, the faith the son had in the father in his goodness was so wonderful for the father that he was extravagant in his delight and his joy already planning a party, calling for the ring and the robe and the shoes. Like that means all the authority of the father's house, killing the fatted calf, telling him, hey, okay, now you're back. We're gonna have to work a few things out. You know, you've been away a long time. Well, you know, you're gonna have to reclimb that ladder, the pecking order. Mm. Um, look, let's give you some technical authority, but we'll just see how it goes, hey? That's not how he did it. Just gave him the kingdom. Yep, there you go. All the Father's authority, you can have it. And he hasn't spent a day proving himself. Why? Because it's not what you do that pleases God. It's your faith in the fact that he enjoys you. If you're looking for the keys to walking in power and authority, here it is. Believe in the goodness and the kindness of your heavenly Father. Believe that Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, is more than enough 
to fully qualify you as you respond in faith to his sacrifice as the Savior who takes away your sin, as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his delight is not that you would go on a treadmill of trying to earn favor, but that you would humble yourself like a little child and believe that he wants to demonstrate his goodness to you right now that he has given you authority to do the works that he did. You should read about them. They're pretty extraordinary works that Jesus did. And greater works than these. Not for the great heroes of the faith, but for those that believe. Faith pleases God. Will you put your faith in his goodness today? Father, we say thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. You are a good, good, good Father. and We give you honor. Lord, my heart's prayer is that every person here, Lord, would be stirred to seek you, to find you, to walk with you in the cool of the day. Lord, to talk with you, to fellowship, to dialogue with you. Lord, that they would know you as comforter, counselor, teacher, helper, friend. Lord, that they would know you as the lover of their souls, that they would know you, God. They would know fellowship with you that is richer and more glorious than that of any person they've ever known or even imagined. Father, I ask, truly ask, Lord, I bow my knee, Lord, with Paul, and I pray for them that they would truly come to know Christ dwelling in their hearts through faith, that we all, we would know and comprehend together with all the saints what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge that they would be continuously overwhelmed and filled to overflowing with this magnificent revelation in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray for some people. And, uh, but before we do that, I want to ask you today, if you're here and you know in your heart you haven't responded to the mercy of Jesus, now the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to take away the sin of the world. He came to save us. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But he came to give life and life more abundant, to give us eternal life. The Bible also tells us that he is light and that light can't have any fellowship with darkness and that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, not one. And so there's a dilemma. No one can actually be joined to God. So no one can actually have eternal life unless something, something miraculous happens and that is that God himself would come on the earth as a man 
the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, lived and walked the earth, experiencing all the temptations you and I have ever experienced and yet didn't sin, took our sin upon his own body, took all the punishment of the world upon his body, everything you've ever done or ever will do, he was punished for then on the cross. And he defeated death and sin and rose again and then offers to the world the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness, the opportunity not just to have your sin forgiven, but to have your iniquity, your crookedness taken away and for you to get a new heart, a new nature that would qualify you to be joined with him so you could have the ultimate goal of being in eternal fellowship with the one who loves you more than anyone ever could. That's why they call it good news. But it requires you to humble yourself and receive what you need. Every one of us needs a savior. We need mercy. We need forgiveness. We need his righteousness but it comes in divine exchange as you give him your sin, you give him your crookedness and you receive by faith his mercy and his righteousness. Christ will come to dwell in your heart through faith and you will walk with him both now and forever in eternal life, never separated from the one who is a better friend than you could ever dream of, hallelujah. If that's you today and you know in your heart you need to make a, a, a deliberate choice to receive Jesus as Saviour, I want to pray for you today before we go any further. Now, the Bible says even the devil believes in God, but it's not about believing in his existence. It's about actually responding in faith and saying, I need his mercy. I want to make a declaration where I cross the line and I say, I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to accept that I need forgiveness and I'm going to receive his gift of salvation. If that's you today and you know in your heart you need to get your heart right with God, you want to do that today, respond to the mercy of God. I'd love just to give you the opportunity for us to pray with you today. Is there anyone here that says, yeah, that's me. I want to respond to the mercy of God today. Let me see your hand. If that's you, hallelujah, yes, God bless you. That's so beautiful. I honor your, your courage. You know, the Bible tells us that when we confess him before men, he'll confess us before his father. It's awesome. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Is there anyone else that says, yes, that's me. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive this God as my savior. You know, I've done it. We all, we all need him. But he longs, he longs to give you the gift of eternal life. Is there anyone else that says, yeah, I want that. I want to respond to Jesus as my Savior. God bless you. I see you. That's so beautiful. God bless you. You can put it down. Father, I thank you. Is there anyone else that says, yeah, that's me. I want today to be the day I cross the line and I come into the kingdom. Today is the day I want to receive Jesus as my Lord. Can anyone else today? Let me just see your hand so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't want to embarrass you, but I would love to pray with you. 
And if you would come, I'd love if you would come. And I want to pray with you. Can you come? Would you come? Give them a hand as they come. You can, if you've come with someone, let come come together. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.